Hey guys, and welcome to The One Up Project. We're simplifying all things finance and lifestyle in a relaxed environment. It's all just a bit of fun, so be sure to keep listening and let the content be a catalyst for your own self-improvement. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of The One Up Project. I'm here today with Brent, um, who is the director of My Fitness Bank and also wears a few other hats I have been told so we will get into that soon and looking forward to it so thank you so much for being here Brent how are you yeah good um happy to be here a little nervous but uh I'll get it I'll be fine I'm a big boy yeah no you'll be fine I'm really excited to have you on and talk about some of the stuff because I know heaps of people um, are interested in hearing about it so do you want to maybe start with telling us a bit about who you are and what your day-to-day looks like at the moment yep yep uh so I'm a gym owner. Um, I've owned. I've been involved with a gym franchise, one of the big ones in New Zealand, the last seven, eight years. And I've just, I've just moved away from that and started my own gym. Also, I think which is a little bit more relevant to your show. Um, I do quite a bit of property stuff. Um, uh, like I've flipped quite a lot of houses and things like that. And I've also got rentals. So I guess my two passions are. Uh, health and fitness, uh, the gym, and yeah, property investment, and yeah, a few yeah, a few different areas, I guess. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely get into the property investment stuff soon because that's so interesting. But first, I just wanted to hear a little bit about my fitness bank and like the story behind starting your own gym. Sort of shoot back a few years, I guess. Um, I'm 36 now. Um, when I was 23, I broke a leg really badly. Uh, I wasn't really into the gym before that. And uh, through the AC, ACC process and recovery, I, I really got into the gym. Um, I've always wanted my own gym. Uh, probably when I was about 29, I got to a financial position where I could use the equity in a house I had to to look at doing that. Um, I wanted, always wanted to open my own gym, but just for lending purposes, the bank lend more favorably on franchises so I did my first one with a franchise um, and then I've moved away to do my own one now. And did you know I suppose earlier in life that working for yourself was something you wanted to do or was it just sort of a thing that you worked out as you went along? Uh, no, 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 I've always wanted to work for myself. Um, <laughs> I don't Good. really like the you know, status quo system, I guess. The nine to five mm. atomic family buzz was never my buzz. The white picket fence uh, work to be 65 was not something I really ever envisioned doing. Um, how I got to get around that, I wasn't too sure when I was younger. I've done a lot of different jobs to sort of find my way, I guess. But uh, no, I always kind of wanted to work for myself and do my own thing. Mm, yeah, that's awesome. I think it's uh, like a lot of people will be able to relate to that in the sense they don't want to do the classic nine to five and work to make a living and that sort of it. And it could be hard to work out, especially when you're younger, how, like you say, to get around all of that and discover what you actually want to do or at least what's going to work with. Um, those kind of interests so what were some key lessons that you've taken away from that process uh that's a that's a that's a good question um (laughs) I suppose it's one of those things where it it probably just naturally happens and like you might not even have too much intention behind it you're just sort of going with what you enjoy at that time and following that I've found like in my life I've done a lot of different jobs um I left Mm. school when I was young I was 15 I become a qualified motorcycle mechanic randomly um I've worked yeah I've worked in timber yards butcheries all sorts of random stuff and 
I've, I've found like in my later years, if you can, um, if you can do something you like, you're passionate about, it's, it's not like a job. Like now I do property stuff and I do, I do my gym and people ask me, you know, have you been working? Have you been doing this? And I find like, if you can do what you love, uh, if, and you keep at it, eventually the money will come as well. And it's not like work. It's like normal people have this weird dichotomy where you got to kind of work in order to do the thing you love. Um, mm. And I don't think you have to do that. You can, it's weird. You don't have to kind of like compartmentalize your life. You can kind of, there's always a niche and always a way. And if whatever you love doing, you can monetize that. And if you can do that, I think you've won life because I don't, I'm quite lucky. I don't feel like I'm ever working. I'm kind of at my gym doing my thing with my staff who I like in an environment I like. And then when I'm doing house stuff and property stuff, it's very similar. So I, I know you can't always get into what you want to do, but if you can't do what you love straight away, my advice would be start saving some money because um, to do anything in life, you need money. Um, and if you can start saving money or get your way into a property um, it makes it a lot easier when you want to do what you want to do later because um, banks don't care too much about your dreams they want some um, asset or something to borrow against or they want some equity in something you know yeah exactly right and I totally agree with like you can monetize what you enjoy and that's so important for people to know as well yeah. and taking it back to when you first like sort of got into business if there was someone out there who's wanting to do the same thing and, and start working for themselves what are some things that you should that they that you think they should start thinking about before doing that uh one of the biggest things which I reckon if you want a shortcut to getting better at something really quickly instead like the read I'm a I'm an avid reader and stuff um I think you know yeah. that as well um but um you can't beat being around someone. Um, if you want to, the shortest way to the top, I believe, is if you can immerse yourself or ha hang around someone who's really good at what you want to do, um, you learn, you know, just from osmosis, just from hanging around that person, mm. you'll you'll shortcut um, a lot more than it's different being book smart and sort of doing something as well. Like I'm not, I'm not, you know, sort of anti anti-learning or anything obviously yeah but yeah that's my thing that makes complete sense so do you think it's important for people to have I suppose like mentors or coaches through what they're doing and have you had that yeah it is important I haven't I haven't really had that so I've done it a lot through books and different things mm. but in saying that I try keep my friend circle smaller than I used to hang around you know, you are who you hang around. Um, so I try to keep around positive people. In real estate, I've done that a lot. Um, and with the gym stuff, I haven't done it so much, but um, I've done it a lot. And I have a good little crew of mates that are all involved in real estate and property who we, we just catch up. Well, we're mates anyway, but we all bounce off each other. We're positive. Um, you don't want to hang around negative uh, people. Negative people are like cancer. Get away from them. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And so how about you give us some books that you've read that have really made an impact on you? Uh, I, I have a top 10. I can't, I'm, I'm trying to think of it, the top of my head. Uh, yeah. some, of, some of my books that have really made an impact, which I think are kind of broad and anyone can use them, 
uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, old book. I think it's a 1930s mm. book. That book's brilliant. Um, the One Thing by Gary Keller, another brilliant book. Uh, what else have I got? Yeah, another thing I think get, that gets super, you know, like no, it's underrated is psychology. I think everyone should know mm. some base psychology because um, it's just, everything it's a it's an interest of mine evolutionary psychology i find really interesting and it's it's kind of it's in everything too it's in sales it's in if you understand your mind um right down to not getting depressed and anxious and all sorts um really underrated sort of thing that like some people read about it but it's it's really good it helps with everything Mm, yeah i definitely agree and we'll get more into that a bit later as well and so when it comes to property investment, when did you become interested in that? Uh, well, I first bought a house when I was twenty. Uh, I wasn't. Oh wow! I wasn't a guru of property or anything. I just, um, I had some family members of mine that, like, an uncle in particular, who was always, you know, it's not like he was a, like, a real businessman of of sorts, but he still knew like it's sort of a, I got brought up from my grandparents too. It was a very old school kind of thing to save money and get into a house. It was an old Kiwi thing. Um, Maybe not so much anymore with the younger generation, but it was just sort of what you did. Um, And it set, it does set you up. So I got into it when I was 20 and I didn't like the thought of ever paying rent. So yeah. I got into a house. Um, it is a three bedroom. Then it had like a semi converted kind of rumpus room downstairs, which I oh, made, wow. a, made another bedroom. So ever since from when I was 20, I had a house and I, I'd fill up all the rooms and, you know, just, um, just sort of deal with it. You'd, you'd put up with a bit of crap from flatmates, obviously, and whatever, but um, it helps get that mortgage down quick and sort of builds you some equity in your home and bank loves equity. That's Housing's just a great thing for borrowing. Yeah, banks love houses. It's just um, it's a bit unfair, actually. I think they should lend. They should be a bit more pro-business, but they're not. They generally only lend on businesses uh, if you have 50% up front or you've got a lot of equity in the house. So I find, you know, if you're young and you don't want to gamble all your money, it is good to get a property before you get a business in some sense. Um, it's safe and then you can use it later. Mm, yeah, that's really good advice. And um, buying a house at 20, that's a pretty insane achievement. So explain to us the process that you went through in purchasing that home. Uh, seeing I'm a bit older than probably a lot of your listeners, it used to be uh, a bit different when I was 20. So that was 16 years ago. Uh, it was pretty standard around the country then 10% deposits were just the norm. So mm. uh, deposits were smaller. So that was easier for starters. Like I feel sorry actually for the generation now having to front 20, 20% when median houses are 600 to 700,000 or whatever, whatever the figure is at the moment. So we got away with 10% deposits. Um, the houses were cheaper too. Um, I know a lot of older people argue the fact that you know, the younger generation don't save as well and this and that, and that's why they got houses. There's some degree of truth in that, but there's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of that doesn't stack up as well. I think 20 years ago, the median house price in New Zealand was three times the median wage. So, I, for example, in Tauranga, where I'm from, the median wage is 50 grand. So that's like saying, well, the houses are 150 grand and you need 10%. So it was, yeah. a lot, it was easier to some, you know, it was easier to. Um, so I bought a $120,000 house that was pretty run down and I needed a front 12 grand. So that was still a reasonable amount of money then. But, um, since I yep. left, I left school at 15 and I'd 
been working a full-time job from then. Um, even prior to that, I used to work 20 hours a week from when I was 12 or 13 to 15 in the timber yard. So um, that, wow. wasn't, that wasn't hard for me to have that sort of money. So after you had flipped or kept that first property, how did you go from there to purchase another one? Uh, well, time serves you with houses too. So I, I think I had that five years. Um, I spent... Which I can't remember off the top of my head, maybe 20, 30 grand. I had mates who were tradies and I'd get in and do stuff as well. And I think it might have owed me about 150 and I sold it for 265 at the time. And then once you've sort of had your first big, um, you know, property cycle and it's gone up a lot, then you're sort of away from there, to be honest. Mm, yeah. I'm just thinking about how you said you bought it for 120 grand and just how like hearing that now it sounds like a dream, even though it would have still been a lot of money at that time. It's just so interesting how things have changed now. Yeah, it was a small town though. It's my hometown. It's actually where I've set up my gym now. So um it's still cheaper here than a city comparatively, but but yeah, it was at the time I think minimum wage then was five dollars or something, five fifty five or something like it was a different time. I think I was earning like ten dollars an hour. So it was like more money than it seems, but still still easier to get a foot. And I think interest was ten percent then as well. So mm, it, it yeah. still wasn't easy then, but it was I still think it was easier than it is now. Mm, for young yeah. people. Yep. Why do you think that investing in property is an effective way to invest your money? Uh, oh, heaps of reasons. Um, property generally doubles every 10 years, even if that slows down a little bit soon in 15 years, uh, you know, that, that, that wards off inflation, you know, it's, in, your house goes up. Um, the banks love houses. They literally love them. I, I know this because of, I've tried to do stuff with businesses. I've tried to buy commercial property and everything they everything they're, they're geared very towards loving residential houses. It's their favorite thing. So <laughs> uh, they love a house. So if you have a house, uh, you know, you can use the equity in it to loan against. Um, you can buy another house. Um, it's just, yeah. And you can live in it, <laughs> obviously. So um, yeah, yeah. There's, I just think it's a really smart thing to do. Um, I'm not anti-business because I'm into business as well, but if anyone was sort of in their 20s and they'd saved up 50 or 100 grand, I would probably, unless they were really, really confident and strong sort of in what they do, I would advise buying a house before you bought a business and then you can always use that house later in life Um to loan against to get a business mm. and through that process is there things that you've learned along the way and maybe through each property you've bought that you take on to the next uh it depends i guess on your intention with the home like um you know if you want to look to add value is always a good thing um i've, I've flipped a few houses obviously so um you know, if you're doing stuff like that, you always want to look to add value. There's no point buying something that's already all, all finished and you can't really add too much to. Like um, if you're looking to sort of live in the house and do it up maybe and then sell it a bit sooner for like some some quick gains or something, you can always look. Um, I always look to add value. So you could look at something 
for example, like a really large two bedroom that you could add an extra room in, um, something, you know, if, you, if you're lucky enough to buy something with a big section that you could subdivide in the future, you can look for, even if the house is just really run down, you can renovate it, um, take out a wall, wipe and plan the kitchen. You can, you can look for stuff like that. Um, mm. yeah, it just depends what your intention is. And also, um, owning a home is a really big, you know, it's a big tax tax loop too because like you, you own a home you don't generally if it's your home and you stay in it they push the law out now to five years um it's tax-free um and it's a legal way to get you out of a bit of a tax so you don't there's not much things you don't get taxed in in life so a house is still one at the moment yeah. <laughs> so you know it's a tax break as well so um if you had to invest in a house or shares or anything like you'd be getting taxed most of other investments like a business you'll be getting taxed on if it's if it's your home and you're living mm. in it um and it's not a rental you know it, there's a tax-free um component to that as well which is just an extra bonus mm. yeah totally i think that's a really good point and what would your would you have like a key piece of advice for anyone who's wanting to build up wealth through property just start straight away <laughs> the sooner the sooner you get into it the better um yeah just get into it and it's you just kind of to get onto your second one you just they, they just have calculations they use so the sooner you get into it the sooner you're paying it down uh the sooner you've got more equity and over time your house goes up and that can get you into the next one another thing is look for like um you know if you don't mind living with people um look for things with more bedrooms or, you know, second on suites or so you can board the rooms and um, that sort of thing. Um, I've got a saying like you either suffer now or you suffer later. And I prefer suffering when I'm younger. So, you know, if it was me, I'd, I'd get a house and pack it with people. I, I know a lot of people these days don't want to live like that, but you know, it depends if you want to, you want to get ahead in life quicker. So I, I would be looking for something you can put some extra people in or even convert a garage into some living or look for those yeah. sort of things. And in, in the early days when you're younger and you can tolerate um, more people, you know, drinking beer, in your house or whatever they do you know yeah yeah no exactly I'd be exactly the same so I like that I think that's really good yeah yeah I always yeah you got to suffer sometimes and I say that in life with people that you know when you're younger you might as well if you're going to do businesses or those things that sort of take your time or you know do the do the hard stuff now because you know it's harder when you're older and you're probably less inclined to do it yeah, definitely. And I mean, as you get older and move into like a retirement stage, you want to be relaxing, not sort of stressed out. Hey, 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 Miss Sarah, what are you implying there? But, uh... <laughs> not saying that you're getting to that point or anything. And what you've done so far is like amazing. I'm sure you'll continue to keep doing that when you get to a retirement age. <laughs> and you strike me as like extremely disciplined and intelligent. So how was that sort of instilled to you? Was that family or like what was your upbringing like? Um, my upbringing, education wasn't a huge thing, I guess. Um, I was brought up from my grandparents. My parents actually passed away when I was young. Um, so I got brought up with, um, uh, I guess, a lot of old school traits, to be honest. Um, so like doing something right was instilled. I guess from my grandfather, like if you did something, you did it properly. Um, saving money and working hard was always a thing. But then, um, you know, there were some other weird polar opposites to that. Like we could, as long as we did that, you know, he didn't mind, you know, we could go out drinking and do other stupid stuff with our money. But um, <laughs> but um, he, he was still big on sort of you did something right and um, 
working and saving. So I guess I got a lot of that from him. Um, one of my uncles in my later years, when I was a teenager, sort of, he, he, he sort of worked for himself and different things. And um, I sort of seen a different way. Um, he'd done a bit of house stuff and things like that. But um, to be honest, I never really got into the property stuff. Uh, it's probably that big until I was, until I was 30, till I really started doing a lot. Um, mm. Yeah, and it was a move to Tauranga and it was a move to the city. Um, even changing friend circles a bit and different things like that, um, yeah, sort of helped me a lot. And then I had the equity behind me as well. So um, I didn't start off, uh, yeah, by any means being an academic or anything. Academic or anything. Um, and then I've just, I've just found it interesting and I find the more I read and things like it's weird, everything kind of morphs. And, and I read generally only the stuff from the best people in the world. I've got a thing. I just go straight to the top. I don't sort of, um, I sort of read from the best and a lot of their stuff all crosses over, like even their books or their theories and things all cross over and it just all sort of mm. comes together. Yeah, for sure. And it is honestly so impressive what you've managed to do and like, especially considering that you, we have spoken about how you've had a struggle with drugs and violence in the past and had those sort of hardships growing up and then to turn it into something um, as successful as you have, it, it's really cool. So when did that sort of struggle to begin for you and how did it affect your ability to pave a career for yourself? Started drinking from a young age. I probably started drinking from about 13. I probably drank every weekend. Um, yeah, so I've always had a bit of a problem with alcohol because I tend to like it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Um, um, and then, yeah, yeah, I've had family members uh, mine growing up and things that always kind of, you know, they, they were violent. So um, I never used to – it's weird um, – getting brought up around strange things because you think it's not in you, but it actually sort of gets bred into you and it's in you a bit more than you think. So, mm. um, yeah, as a teenager in my 20s and that, I was uh, I was pretty bad if I got angry and that sort of thing and drinking didn't mm. help. So um, I guess over time I've just, you know, I, I, I know I've got a bad temper, so I, I remove myself from situations um, when my temper could get bad, I guess. Um, and then – in regards to a lot of weird stuff that's happened to me and different things in my life, I, you know, I don't, I don't really know if I'd take them back if I could, because they, they build resilience. Like I think mm. a lot of people these days um, don't have enough of it. And a lot of people, you, you know, sort of run crying and moan and things about things. And um, mm. they just need more perspective, I guess, like having hard times, gives you perspective on things and then when you run into yeah. things that other people think are majors they're just minors really um yeah so you know a bit of a bit of rough um you know a bit of stoicism doesn't kill anyone I believe <laughs> yeah no yeah I totally agree with that and I think it's important to um talk about those sorts of things because there may be people who grow up or have those things instilled into them through family or whatever the situation is and they're not sort of realizing how that is affecting them in their life and like how did you sort of realize that that was something that was affecting not only yourself but other people around you and then like build up the discipline I suppose to make changes I realized uh pretty quickly when I was 
in and out of court consistently. <laughs> that was one thing. Um, <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> that sort of, you know, and the judges saying, hey, you better watch yourself. You're going you're to end up in the Hinaki here, here Brent or something. I'm like, oh, yeah. So, um, you know, and then you, you got to get to a point in your life where, like, people aren't telling you, um, you know, to change. you got to want to change as well. So, um, mm. so anyone, I guess, who's had a really hard time give if I could give them any advice um I think that in some ways I've had an advantage over other people who haven't you know they've got you know you, if you just frame that right you can use that like you know that those hard times has built that resilience in you and that like your what you think's hard and what other people think you know your scale's a lot different to theirs so you know if you sort of you try to turn around and use that as a positive like hey this real shit things happened and I handled that when you get little rocks at work or this and that like that's nothing so mm. yeah if you can kind of like use that bad stuff to you know frame it a bit differently and then use it like to be resilient um you know normal people might you know go crazy over I don't know something something kind of minor and you're just like yeah that's totally nothing, that's nothing yeah. you know so another thing I always look to um I'm, I quite like evolution and psychology and things and i'm a big fan of like the environment even with my gym oh, yeah. we're giving out uh we gave a thousand dollars out to the kiwi house the other day it's in my hometown they breed kiwis and a lot of our native animals there and um i always look to the animal world a bit too and if you ever watch a few docos um life's not meant to be easy you look at animals and that humans on a whole have it pretty easy they're always struggling to eat struggling to survive um, mm. something's trying to kill them you know so once upon a time we were them that's how i figure figure life you know it's not supposed to be easy so um if you can sort of get your head around that a bit um you know, little things don't rock you as much. And then, yeah, don't know. That's my weird way of thinking about it. Yeah, no, that is such an admirable mindset to have. And I, I really do agree with you that hardships build um, such resilience in people. And I think sometimes people can struggle to, I suppose, have that moment where they realise, okay, I'm going to take this and put it into something more positive and put this energy towards making my life better for me and the people around me and other people don't manage to put that spin on it or can't with the situation they're in so do you think there's something that can help people to change their mindset on that or is it something that's innate within a person that they just try to improve their situation that they're in? Yeah, I think as long as you're not dependent on drugs or alcohol, a lot of people that are str struggling still have those issues too. But if you, if you can sort of get through that and you really want to, um, I don't think it's an innate ability or anything. You just got – everyone can do it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky answer, I guess. you have to. I, I think you have to want to do something. I think it is a hard question because, I mean – it, it's not like you say you have to be you can lead a horse to water but they're you can't make them drink they're going to have to be the one at the end of the day that makes that change for themselves and you're just an example of that so it is I suppose hard to if you see someone in that situation or you are that person to try and make them drink in a sense so yeah I mean around that do you feel like you were conscious of the changes you were making at the time to have a better future for yourself 
Yeah, I, wa- I was. Like, I was once I started doing it. I was conscious of um, what, what I was doing. Yeah. With those sort of hardships, I suppose, come mental barriers of the process. And what did you tell yourself when things became difficult in that sense? Um, for me, when, when, when things were really random and I thought, you know, I felt like falling back into old ways and not persevering, I always, because my parents have died, I'd always think, you know, what would they think of me? You know, you need to do better, you know? So, um, mm. that was my sort of go-to if I really needed it. Um, but you know, not everyone can do that. Aside from, I suppose the struggles that you did have, did you have people who were supporting you and rooting for you? Or was that something that you were doing for yourself a lot of the time? No, no, no. So I have, um, yeah, I always, I guess not in a traditional sense, but I still, had a good family um yeah you know they just they just drunk and partied and did random stuff sometimes but um um I had other family members who weren't so much like that and um yeah and even even my nan and granddad they like I was still fed I was still like you know taking the sport a lot of a lot of good stuff too totally. so um yeah they just weren't like you know they they weren't real they weren't business people or they weren't real kind of uh, I don't know how to how to put it. We didn't talk about emotions or anything like that. We're pretty old school, mm. you know. So, um, but I still knew they cared. If you know what I mean. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think it's awesome that like you had that as well. I just like really appreciate your vulnerability, and I think it's an important conversation to have for other people who might be going through a similar thing and are trying to work out what the future looks like for them. Yeah. So if you are going through sort of hard times I guess um I think I think a lot of the way the world's gone now it's gone very PC like um mm. you know which is there's good elements to it and bad elements like um you know like I think everyone thinks now like the government or someone's going to solve your problems and you know like totally, if you yeah. ring up and you can go you know when I'm not saying I'm like you know, I'm not a, you know, therapist by any means because I, I bury things a lot and I get told I shouldn't, you know, if I have problems, I, mm. I bury them and don't say much about much and I never talk about feelings. So, you know, I've probably got some issues as well, but um, <laughs> I, 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 I persevere. Um, let's get rid of that phone call. Um, but you need a bit of, you need a bit of what I'm like in your life too because at the end of the day, um, I believe no one's going to fix you. No one's going to save you. Um, and no one's going to care as much as you do. Um, you know, you might get some occupational therapists come and talk to you, you might get this, but at the end of the day, some of them are on government paid jobs and do they really care, you know? Um, they're just getting a paycheck, yeah. some people. I'm not saying everyone's like that, but at the end of the day, um, you got to look after you. you got to look after yourself and you got to, you know, moaning about your problems, even if you had a shit life, that ain't going to, that ain't going to do anything. You just need, you need to get it done yourself. If you look at all the people who have done real well in their life, and um, that's another good book. If you want to read a book, it's called Bounce. It's uh, pretty much says anyone who's really succeeded, he, he's sort of studied it. Every successful person, business person, sports person, they've just put in the work. Um, and mm. you kind of need to do that in life. I completely agree. I think you do need to find that middle ground. And I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to, 
like do something and be good at it, it's going to take hard work. And that's just the reality of the situation. So yeah, I is, definitely agree. Um, that's pretty much it. Um, if you ever get time, read that book. It's called Bounce. Great book. It's pretty much goes through every great person and they've at least put in 10,000 hours. So um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that's another one of my, that's actually one of my top 10 books. So you can get on that one too, if you like, Sarah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. You have to check that one out. Yeah. How did you find courage and motivation to take risks in your life, like starting a business or investing in property? Um, I knew the alternative, and it was um, the alternative was that sort of. You know, that nine to five white picket fence, atomic family buzz, um, which uh, is like pretty much work 40, 50 hours a week and do that to your 65 and hope you still get a few good years left in you. So um, mm. I'd, I'd probably nearly prefer a prison sentence for that. So it wasn't too hard <laughs> to, find the, uh, to find the courage. But um, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't too hard to be honest. I couldn't think of anything worse. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I spoke to someone on um, one of my earlier podcasts as well who um, he like travels for a big chunk of his year and does that through like his businesses in the summer and then sort of travels through the winter period and he was saying exactly the same thing that like the motivation comes with like not wanting to do the other option pretty much yeah yeah pretty much that was that was mine but for some someone else I guess it is risky like you know like um I guess if you're talking starting a business, you generally got to punt money or punt your house if yeah. you have one. So um, fortunes favour the brave, said Alexander the Great, I think. So you know, there's a bit of there's a bit of that. And um, if you're real confident in what you do, um, another thing is just teaming with someone who's really good at it, even if you're their undersider or mm. lackey. Um, you know, if you team in with someone, you know, even if you're not going to get the lion's share of money for a while, that's that's a shortcut to not. Um, not failing. I think it can be hard for people who maybe, yeah, like don't, aren't a hundred percent motivated by the nine to five, like that being their reality. And so then they don't know if the risk is actually going to be worth it. Um, and then I think on top of that, it's, it's the how piece. Like people say, want to do this thing, but it's, it's how do they get there? And I find that most people I talk to will just say, just get into it and start and give it a go of whatever it is. And then building on the point of people who are unsure yeah. what they want to do with their life. If you're speaking to say 20 year old you and you're just got no idea, where would you suggest people start in that sense? Um, I would look to what you love doing, you know, like even if it's not, a, if it's surfing, if it's, if it's anything and look how you can build around, around that. Like, um, and if people don't know what they love doing, just have a think of something you could just talk about with your friends and family and you could just blar on about for hours. For me, it's gyms and houses. Um, if you can yeah. find something that you just like, um, you know, and you you do it for free nearly, um, that's a good place to start. And then if you can, you can go from there, like, you know, like even if you like rugby, um, not everyone's, you know, going to be an all black, are they? You mightn't be genetically mm. gifted or big enough or something but you could you can still base an income around it you could get involved with owning a sports shop you can get involved with coaching um there's always a way so if you can if you can go if you can base it around something you like uh it's not gonna be and it's not a chore um the money will come oh cool well thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate your vulnerability in speaking about 
everything you've spoken about. Um, despite not wanting to talk about your feelings, you've you've done well there. So I really appreciate it. So thanks so much, Brett. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you were able to take something valuable away. Um, be sure to subscribe and keep up with the socials for further episodes at the One Up Project. And I'll catch you on the next one.